When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. After leaving teaching because of some serious burnout, she vowed to build the community she wished existed when she needed it most. She went from classroom teacher to an educational consultant, instructional designer, and six-figure business owner. Now, she's here to help you achieve happiness and work-life balance, whether inside or outside the classroom. Come join our discussion as we talk about managing teacher burnout, career transitions outside the classroom, starting a side hustle, and everything in between. Here's your host of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast and your new personal cheerleader, Daphne Gomez. Welcome to the Teacher Career Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Daphne Gomez. And in this episode, I interview Angela Salami. She is a former high school English teacher and also worked as an elementary librarian. She has a lengthy history working inside of the school district in both of these positions. So we talk quite a bit about the pros and cons of both of those positions, what she likes, what she didn't like. And she ultimately left the classroom and the school district altogether in order to work as an assistant director for a state office of apprenticeship. So we talk all about her journey outside of the classroom and what her new day-to-day role looks like in that really high-level position. Hi, Angela. Thank you so much for being here today. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I always start off with asking people about their experience inside of education. And I know that you actually took a couple of paths in and outside of the classroom in the education section. So I'd love to hear your story, if you don't mind sharing to start. Okay. Well, I have been a high school English teacher for about 20 years. I started right when I got married in Washington State. I was a high school English teacher. I was a substitute for a little while just so I could get a full-time teaching job taught summer school, did all those things, and then moved with my husband to Florida, where I taught and high school English. But then I also got a degree in library science. So then I transitioned to elementary library. So I went from big kids to little kids. But then I decided that there was too much booger picking and you know crayons and coloring and stuff. So I went back to high school, taught English again for a long time, Then I went back to being a librarian. So I just kind of ebbed and flowed back and forth. And that was a good way to just kind of, you know, keep it fresh. And then in my last job, right before I left, I was a middle school gifted teacher. So it was kind of like the best of both worlds because I got to still teach the English and the literature and the projects, but then library research and fun and all the smart kids. And so that was really fun. So that's kind of where I've been. And then I just left the classroom last August. So... For teachers who are thinking of going into becoming a librarian, do you mind sharing a little bit of the, like the pros and cons of that role if that was something that you wanted to potentially pursue? 
Mm -hmm. It was a great transition. I loved it. The degree was kind of getting my master's was a pretty easy flow because as an English teacher, you know, you read a lot, you research anyway, you're teaching kids how to research. So that came pretty naturally. And then if you like the idea of being a teacher and affecting the whole school, the whole population where you get to kind of like be with everybody and have a bigger impact, that was the great part of being a librarian because I did get to see work with teachers a lot more. So that changes, it gets you out of the classroom. You get to interact with all the kids and all the teachers and support them. So all the great lesson plans that I would have and like, oh, I wish I could do this, I could do that. And I could reach out and support other teachers. So that was the part I really liked about it. The part I didn't like about it being elementary was you get dumped on a lot. Like, oh, the PE teacher's not here today. So we're going to send our kids to the library. You have enough tables, don't you? And I did a big makerspace thing. I love to have kids create. And I bought tons of Legos and projects and cutting and coloring. So I could handle 100 elementary kids in the library because they would all be at little stations. But that got old. So I would have great lessons for my kids. But then I would have, you know, the PE kids would come and the music teachers out. So you can have them too. So I think that happens, you know, with everyone in those specials departments, whatever you call them in elementary school, they call them different things, related arts or specials. And so getting taken advantage of, I think, was one of the reasons why I went back to high school and taught English for a couple more years after that. And so, but it was really easy to just go back and forth and back and forth and it just kind of flowed in. And now I think that I was lucky to be able to do that. And the interesting thing, I think, with teaching and with working in education in general is you said that you had to get a master's to even switch from teaching into a library position, which other roles outside of education, it is not as like heavily scrutinized that you have to go back to school to get this just to change positions. Right. But do you mind sharing whether or not with that master's and going into that position, it was a pay increase or decrease? Or was it pretty much the same because you were working at the same district? It was a pay increase because having a master's in my degree was about a $10,000 pay increase. So I got my master's in 2010, so 12 years ago. And so it wasn't, went to Florida State, it wasn't that expensive. I probably spent 10 to 15 grand and made that back up, you know, within two years. So it was worth it. And then having a master's in education, just that goes across the board. So it didn't matter that it was in library and not English or not pedagogy or some of those other, you know, testing, all those different things. So a master's is a master's is a master's in education, which is also kind of funny. So... Yeah, that for me, I got a master's, I think the, the year right before I left. And I always kick myself because mine was 30 grand just to get the master's. And then I left <laughs> education that year afterwards. But I know that there are people who are thinking of a librarian position for one reason or the other. So mm-hmm. I wanted to start a little bit with that just because you did, you bounced between both worlds. And so that was Something that I know people are probably listening for as well. Mm -hmm. But really, let's get into your new position completely outside of the school district. When you first started looking for roles outside of the classroom, what really was like the motivator for that? To look for new jobs. I didn't even know what I was looking for. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't go look for English teacher. or So I looked for things like writing and technical writing and and I have a couple friends who are big, like VP CFOs and different companies in the South. And they said, well, give me a call. And I'm sure you've been an English teacher. So you could get a writing job or a technical communications job. And I thought, I don't really want to write people's emails and things or be a secretary. So 
people's ideas of what I could be hired for too was kind of limited. So I talked to more people and started thinking about all of the jobs that I do. I'm a project manager. I'm a people manager. You know, as a teacher, we manage a hundred kids all day. We, um, we have to plan for, you know, a whole year out. We have to collaborate. So a couple of people started help- and watching your videos and looking at your website it was like, oh, these are the words and how to change or translate what we do into numbers and quantifying what we do. Like I ran a book fair. So, you know, two every year and I generated tens of thousands or not tens of thousands, but, you know, a couple grand or look at me. Okay. Edit. No. <laughs> But, you know, I would generate $10,000 a couple times a year for the school. And so I was like, oh, I can plan, I can promote, I can sell things, I can coordinate a timeline, all of these things and quantifying all of those little things that we do, budgets and Title I money. And instead of just saying that those are the things, I learned how to translate all of that, I guess, into more corporate speak so that it read better on a resume, which was really important. And getting out of the mindset of all I can do is teach. I have to be a corporate trainer. I can do lots of other things. So, yeah, and nothing against corporate training or right, no, 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 writing. Like no. those are wonderful positions, but that is something that I hear a lot. Is right off the bat, someone who is planning on leaving the classroom, they look at this curriculum writing position, and that is what is in their head going to click the most. Of I can do that. I'm familiar right. with curriculum. Mm-hmm. I can write it. And then digging into what that actually means, because I've talked to hiring managers from the ed tech companies themselves, and they say so many teachers send us a resume and it just says, oh, I'm a teacher. Like, obviously, you're going to make the inference that I can write curriculum. Right, no. like, That's not what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. We want to see that someone has spent tens, twenties, hundreds of hours writing curriculum so that they understand this is a desk position where you are sitting and you fall in love with writing for six hours at a time. And that is not for everybody. But what people I think are missing is what part of curriculum actually lights you up? Is it putting things together in a, like in a timeline, like project management, like you were talking Mm -hmm. about? Is it actually mapping out what the learning experience looks like? Or is it actually sitting and writing the curriculum itself? Is it more visual, graphic design? There's so many components of it that I think the first initial thing that we fall into, it's natural that we start to kind of gravitate towards other things once we learn more about what that exact position entails. Right. So it sounds like you kind of went into potentially project management was more so your thing than necessarily sitting at a desk. But I do see you right now where you are at, you are working inside of an office as we're having this conversation. (laughs) So it wasn't that you were not looking for a corporate environment. It just wasn't something that was as technical or sitting down at a desk. Is that right? Yes. Yes. And I even interviewed with a couple of places I had with an archival kind of place where they archive things and they go through printed materials in the United States. And that really went along with my library degree. But then the idea of sitting for six or seven, oh, in the real world, they work eight hours a day, not like teaching where you're done at 2.30. That's been my hardest transition. (laughs) They're like, oh, you have to stay till 4.30. I'm like, wait, but it's 2.30. It's time to go. But the idea of sitting and looking through archival records and being, you know, face to face with just my computer for all day, that was kind of a turnoff. So I like the idea of what I do now and I get to talk to people and spend time 
in the office or I mostly work from home. Today we're here because we have an audit. So I'm here. But yeah, so I kind of looked at all the different titles of jobs and kind of because I don't think we know even what we don't know because I've been a teacher for 20 years. And so I just I know how to teach. I know what that is. And I don't even know what all the other jobs are. So it's very interesting to go through this process and find out, oh, you can do that. Oh, that's a job. Oh, so that's been pretty cool. And I try to tell that to people like I have an administrator friend and assistant principal who hates his job. And he's just, you know, there are other jobs out there. You can make this much money. He's like, but all my degrees are in, you know, administration and curriculum. And, but that all does translate. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, just that idea of like letting people see like there are other options out there. And especially if people are miserable, there's no reason to stay teaching because it doesn't do anybody any good. So... And that's something I didn't hear you say. Did it get to the point where you absolutely knew that you needed to find something outside of the classroom? Yes. Yeah, it did. I had middle school. I'd never taught middle school before. I was at high school and then I went elementary. So I was good with either end, the big kids that you can joke around with or the little kids that you can play with. But those middle school kids are, that's a whole different breed. Mm -hmm. And those teachers are great, but I just, they weren't fun anymore. And I think the pandemic also maybe pushed me to the edge where just not being in school, not being around. And then the way the behaviors changed. And I don't want to dog on school and kids, but it just really got to be a drag. And I was, oh, this is not fun. And I even saw an old principal from maybe 10 years ago and we were at a wedding together. And I said, I used to be a good teacher, right? I used to really love this. And he's like, oh yeah, you were one of my best teachers. And I just didn't feel that anymore. I was like, I don't, I'm not that person anymore. I need to get a new job. And so before I made myself miserable and the people around me miserable, I said, okay, So I really got diligent, but I started looking, it probably took nine months. I started looking Mm -hmm. last year in January, applied, I made a promise to apply to like five jobs every week. And I was on Indeed and filling out all the things and looking at your videos and just trying to get as much as I could. And um, it takes a long time and it's very disheartening. But, you know, I got hired, I think, end of July, beginning of August of last year. And it was like, ah, and then I haven't looked back. I haven't looked back at all. So, yeah, let's talk about some of the pieces in between then and now, because sounds like you started applying for a variety of positions. Mm -hmm. Did you go into any other interview processes prior to the role that you're in now? I had my sister has a friend who works in that archival space. And so she hooked me up with a friend to meet with two people. And that was an hour long with two of the vice president of this and HR of that. And we talked and that that was very exciting. And I thought, oh, this is great. And then they didn't call me for like a month. And then they called me back again and said, oh, let's talk. I want you to talk to these two other people because I think you would work over here. So I would get all excited and then nothing. And then I waited another two weeks and then they called and said, oh, well, we're only going to pay you $17 an hour. And I don't think that'll work. Couldn't we have started there? Like, you know, I wasted all that time. So because with a master's degree in Tennessee and 20 years experience, like I've made decent money as a teacher. And um, so I feel like you don't know what you don't know. You know, I should have asked that early on. Mm-hmm. And then I also did a couple cool online job fairs with like a ed tech company, I think. And it was 100 people signed up and they did an overview. And then we got put into little rooms that we were interested in the different jobs 
And everybody got to hear a little bit about that and ask questions and then follow up interviews if you were interested. But that was a cool way to just get a lot of different information and what jobs were out there and, you know, what would be good fit and what would not be a good fit. So that was a really good learning experience. I was like, oh, this is not for me. Oh, but that would be cool. I'm going to follow up with that HR person, but I'm definitely not going to do that. So I really liked that. And then finally got a job at the state and had maybe two interviews with the state as that process worked through. And that happened a whole lot faster, like maybe in a four week period. So that was good. But, you know, and I've talked to other people who are interviewing in other industries and the interview process is really long. It's not just like a one and done. So I think that's another learning experience. So. And that's part of kind of the timeline that I really try and push people to understand is start applying two months before you are ready to take the position. One, Mm -hmm. so that you can see, you know, you might put out 15 resumes and not hear a single thing back. Right. And that's unfortunately what's going to happen most likely, unless Mm -hmm. you just have like the best luck ever. Any of us, even myself, if Mm -hmm. I did my resume with my past experience, I still would probably have to do it for a good month or so. Until I started to get interviews and callbacks. And when you are actually applying for the positions, though, knowing that it can take two weeks and they can at the end of two weeks say, can you start in two weeks or it might take Mm -hmm. six weeks. It just really varies from place to place. And also some places are not going to tell you the salary up front. And for anyone who listened to that horror story right now, please go back and listen to episode, <laughs> I think it's 52 of this podcast. It's all about salary. I tell you how you can research the salaries prior to going in and what types of jobs have higher salaries than mm-hmm. the other positions. So go back and listen to that episode if you have not yet. But that is, unfortunately, it's part of the process because you don't mm-hmm. want to disqualify a position And you also want to make a really good impression on that company because you can say, I'm so sorry, that is nowhere near what I am willing to take, but they love you because they gave you a chance for three interviews and you say, this is what I need. And if something pops up in the future Mm -hmm. that fits what I need and my skill sets, you're going to be the person that they think of because they already went through the hiring process with you. It's not as great as interviewing for a job that already is the salary that you need. But we are, you know, coming from a place of a career pivot, you do have to take some unique paths to Mm -hmm. get your foot in the door. And sometimes that is the path that does ultimately work. And I don't want to go too heavy into that. I would love to talk a little bit more about the position that you're in. But you, do you mind sharing your title? Because it is an impressive title. Nope. (laughs) I always tell people it sounds so fancy, but I'm the assistant state director for the apprenticeship office in a state Mm -hmm. in the South. And so for the Department of Labor, but at the state level. So, and And what does that role actually involve? Well, we, because of the way our governor has really focused on labor and like increasing our labor force. And so this is part of labor workforce and development. So apprenticeship is a huge thing coming, you know, nationally. And it's the way we've trained people for a long, long time where the employers hire people and then they train them, they match them with a journeyman and they train them all along. And traditionally we think of construction, you know, like plumbers Mm -hmm. do it, electricians do it, pipe fitters, but we really have IT healthcare 
we are setting the thing for teachers, grow your own. States are now growing their own teachers and becoming doing apprenticeship programs with that. And, you know, starting with like an educational assistant, somebody who's already working in the district and then taking them and training them, matching them, pairing them with a journey worker or professional teacher and paying for their college and getting them, you know, very prepared. So it's very different from when I came through, you know, in student teaching for what, two months and studying only pedagogies and then like, here you go. Okay. So it's a really great way to do that. So I work with employers because the apprenticeship office, I'm not like looking for, you know, kids who are in grandma's basement, you know, like, oh, get my son a job, make him an apprentice. No, my office supports employers. So we help the employers set up programs where they will hire people and train them with on-the-job learning and that's a required, what's it called, technical instruction. So the person's also going to school while they're working full-time or part-time. And then they also have a sponsor of some sort. So once they go through all these hours and it's very prescribed, and then they come out at the end of this, either 2,000 hours, 4,000 hours. So it's a, a one-year, two-year, four-year. And then they have this national credential to be an apprentice or a journeyman. And so part of my job is I go around the state to signings when an employer signs apprentices and we have a big signing day and we take our banners and take pictures and I put all this stuff on social media. So I do a lot of that. I do technical assistance because we have to use a national database to register the apprentices. So my job is to call employers and say, oh, what's the problem? And then I fix all of that. So I still do a lot of like contact with people. So I'm either on the phone with people or I'm emailing people. I just do a lot of really cool different things. And I get to travel. We just did conferences across the state. So we went from one end of the state to the next to three different stops and did all day conferences. So I did all of the planning for that. I did all the event planning with a couple other people in my office. So that was fun and set up. So it is, it is a ton of different responsibilities and a changing environment from day to day. And it sounds Mm -hmm. like that is an area where you really fit. Yes. Yes. I love it. Yeah. I get to do all kinds of things. And then some days, you know, I just kind of don't do a whole lot. (laughs) I'm a state worker. No. And that also is coming from a place of extreme burnout, where so Mm -hmm. many teachers are at. They see these career titles, and it's so easy for them to make an inference. I am extremely miserable at in my position. That sounds potentially miserable. So, like sitting in a state office and working as a director in a state office sounds like it's high pressure. It sounds like it's potentially career where you would burn out or just extreme regulations. That's just like an inference that I would make. Mm-hmm. You are taking this call right now and it sounds like you are very happy, but did you have any concerns looking for red flags as far as that went going into this position? Yes. I thought it would be kind of, you know, like the high pressure and I got a, hired as an executive position, not just an hourly. So I can be fired at will kind of thing. So there's that. But one of the great things about transitioning from a teaching job to a state job is that all of my retirement came with me. All my sick days came with me. So I did take a pay cut, but it's the pressure. Like when I'm done at the end of the day, I'm done. I get to travel. 
I get to, I don't have to worry about, you know, making phone calls to kids and parents and doing all of the extra stuff. It's a whole different environment. There weren't really any other red flags. Working with grownups, though, was a real red flag for me because I wasn't used to working with grownups. <laughs> you know, there you know, are the autonomy of having your oh. own classroom is a good thing. It's I get to do this. I get to put on my own show every day. And so now, especially not knowing what my job, I have to learn all these new things. And so oh, the other day I got in trouble at my job because somebody didn't show up for a meeting we do and I'm still in a training mode. So I'm not supposed to do the meetings by myself when I'm explaining what's apprenticeship 101. But the person wasn't there. She was sick. And so I was like, oh, let me just here, I'll pull up the slide deck, show you the PowerPoint. We'll talk through it rather than, you know, telling the employer I'd have to reschedule because we hate to reschedule. And so I went into teacher mode, like, oh, if there's not a teacher in the classroom, let me just run in here and I'll cover for you. And so I wasn't quite ready for that. So I got my little first reprimand. So that was an interesting it's just a weird, weird, it's just different than teaching. And you don't have that autonomy. You have to follow the rules a little bit more. Although in teaching, there are tons of rules too, and what you can do in your classroom and what you can't. But there's some decision-making that I can't do yet. So that's kind of weird to be new again, especially. Yeah, it absolutely. It's a learning curve when you go in. And it definitely depends on the company or the position that you win. And if there's really clear, this is the procedure, this is the regulations, please pay attention to this. Right. And usually there are a lot of different places that kind of can stop you before you accidentally make a mistake mm-hmm. in these environments to help support you and say, hey, like here's here's our onboarding resources or here's right. where our regulations are or just help. And then it also usually is a surprise as far as when I'm talking to former teachers who are in their new roles about what that looks like. The varying degrees of what a like warning looks like is usually a little bit different than it would in a school. Like, oh, we're just having a conversation. This is conflict, you know, de-escalation. Or this is just us having this really formal conversation about what we're going to do to improve. But it looks completely different. Mm-hmm. than a teaching environment. So it is a learning curve for sure. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think some people are a little intimidated coming in with like my teacher speak or my teacher brain, like how I do want to, you know, I want a list of things to do I want. And sometimes those things aren't maybe as clear or, you know, since people work at home, we make different allowances or kind of like, so they're like, oh, but wait a minute, you're trying to bring too much I don't, not teacher speak. I don't know what the right word is. I don't know if I can really explain it, but it's just different but there's something intimidating. Like I'm always going to pull out my red pen. You know, if you want me to look at something that you write, no, I'm not always going to pull out my red pen or I'm not always going to judge what you say or do kind of thing. So that's been a little weird vibe that I've gotten just a little bit, but not, not really. Let's talk a little bit though about like what you are doing that is crashing it. Where do you feel like your teaching skills really help you shine in this new position? I think being able to talk to anybody, like part of what I do as a in apprenticeship is a sales job. Like I need to be able to present, I need to be able for the employer to understand what we can offer and how we can tie all these things together. One of the other things I do is pre-apprenticeship. So I do get to work with like CTE directors in school districts. Like if they have construction program, I hook them up with the, you know, the local electrician company who wants to have a program or they create the pipeline with high school kids 
who kind of get some of the pre-work that they need for their apprenticeship program. And so I make those connections between the employer and the CTE programs. So I think that's really fun to kind of know the school side of that, the education side, and be able to pull that back to employers. And so I think that's been a lot of fun. And planning the conferences, that was a lot of fun, the party planning, and that's a good time. So hopefully. And it even sounds like even as an assistant director, you still are doing some training. You still do have a training and education focus inside of this position. Mm -hmm. Right. I do. So I'm training, like I'm being trained. I'm actually with the girl who was doing my job is also a regional director. We have regional directors and there's, and she was also the assistant director. So she's still here. So we work very closely together. So I, you know, ask a lot of questions and, you know, tell me if I'm doing this right, or I did this, this, and this, is that the right way to do things? So I'm learning a lot, which has been really cool. Um, It's just been really fun. So it's just fun to do something different and be busy in a different way all the time. So is there a clear path for career growth in this particular field? Yes. We have three regional directors. They're the ones who do like create the programs for the the employers and the apprentices and get everything. So I could move into one of their positions and be a regional director and work just focus on different parts of the state. Or actually, our state director just got promoted, so her job is open. I'm not ready for that job yet, but eventually I would be able to move up there. There's also in our Department of Labor, we have different sections or silos. And so there's a lot of lateral movement, you know, working with Department of Reentry or Adult Ed, or I don't know, we have three or four different areas, but there are lots of different things. There's a communications department. There's, you know, working directly for our Department of Labor secretary. There's just, yeah, there are lots of places to go and lots of people to work with and work for in the state. So that's kind of exciting to be in here just to see all of the different options. So I don't feel like I'm always just going to be this. I hope that you don't mind me making this assumption about you, but I see the way that you light up and I hear it in your voice when you talk about going back and forth. It sounds like you are the type of person that starts to feel stagnant if you don't see a lot of possibilities and you don't have a lot of change. Do you recognize that in yourself as well? Yeah, yeah. I had I taught at five different schools in the last six years, so yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. And I you tr- see enough growth at this co- or in this department that it does feel exciting. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. There are lots of different places to go and and do different things if this kind of doesn't work or if it feels like a little stagnated. But I'm sh- I won't say I'm sure I'm going to stay here for a while. But I am. You know, I feel like this is a good fit for right now. And I'm learning so many different things right now. But yes, you definitely are (laughs) right on. Yes, I have that like, I need to be doing something and something different and exciting. And maybe that's why I taught at a few different schools. But sometimes I look at that I bounced around from teaching high school English to elementary librarian to a different elementary librarian to high school English back to another high school library in six years was because I was just I couldn't get my footing again. You know, I was like, do I stay a teacher or do I leave and it's time? So I think that's, you know, that was the thing that kind of pushed me out. I'm like, let me just look at what I've been doing the last few years and I'm not staying anywhere and not feeling good. But here, there are so many different things to do every day that I think it'll keep me busy for a while. So I'm excited about that. I think the term for it is multi-passionate, the types (laughs) of people who love 
learning tiny micro bits of new things all the time, like Mm -hmm. having their hand in every single cookie jar. And I feel like this is a really great, unique position for someone who is looking for something like that. But I know that I teach this in the course that you took as well, but it's just do not limit yourself. You hear her saying her role is called assistant director. This might be a project management role or an event coordinator role, or there are so many different titles that could have many of these components in it. So Mm -hmm. it's more important to really start looking outside of the box and not boxing yourself into a career title because every job, every company is unique. I wanted to ask you my very final question, which I love asking, and I feel like you have just given me little tidbits of information throughout this whole interview, but what did you learn about yourself the most during this process? Oh, gosh, that it's hard that I can't, that, you know, I'm going to steal Glennon Doyle. I can do hard things. Like it really Mm -hmm. is just, you have to stick with it. You can't give up. And my other motto is that you always have to complain just a little bit to people because you don't know who's going to be able to help you out. So I complained to my sister and then she called her friend who had this great job for the archival company. And then I complained at Passover dinner and I was like, I've been applying for jobs for so long, but I can't get anything. And so the girl sitting across from me, she's, you know, 10, 15 years younger. And she said, oh, let me see your resume. What is it? Okay. And so I shot her my resume and she said, oh, you need to quantify everything. You need to, you know, use these keywords. And so she took care of that for me. And then the next person who read my resume was like, I loved reading your resume. So I think just that like sticking with it, complaining a little bit, just enough to have other people's input, but not running everything by every person, you know, you don't need the whole world's opinion on what you're going to do. But just that don't give up kind of thing is what I was like, yes, I can do it. And yes, I can leave and I can be successful outside of teaching. And some people, you know, ask, oh, do you miss it? Do you miss the kids? And I really don't. And that's okay, too. You know, some people are like, oh, but Mm -hmm. I miss the kids so much. And yeah, they were fun. But um, I really don't. This is really a good thing. You know, it's like the next part, the next page. And that's okay. And so I don't beat myself up about that. It was good while I was teaching. And now here we are in this next part. And it's great. It's so hard to acknowledge those feelings of Mm -hmm. in that time of my life, that was the most important thing for me. And then I grew out of passion for it. I don't think that that's the right way to frame it, but or to say that it sounds a little clunky when it comes out of my mouth. But, (laughs) you know, like I I fell out of love with this part of teaching because education changed because my role changed because Mm -hmm. my world and everything around it changed and that's okay like you can still love the time that you spent that you loved and then remember the last few years and be a different person on the other end and that doesn't change who you are on the inside or what you had done in the past either right absolutely i totally agree yes and Yes, falling out of love with your passion or, you know, however you said it, the clunky way. But I totally agree. It was like, yeah, that was a great thing then. But then it was like, eh, it's not so great. And it's time to move on so we can all just get happy and life goes on and it's good. So. Well, Angela, thank you so much for sharing your story. It's been a pleasure to meet you and to learn a little bit more about your role. And I appreciate you so much coming on and and talking to us. Oh, good. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure being here. So thanks a lot. I want to give a huge thank you to Angela for coming on and sharing her story with this audience. 
We will see you on the very next episode of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast. Thank you so much for being a listener and a supporter of this show.